Hi, I'm Julian Arthur Lewis II. I am the co-founder of Studio Pod Media. We are a media and production company that centers ourselves around podcasting. So we help brands amplify their voices via podcasting and other mediums as well. Nice. To the point. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, one, you have a phenomenal smile. And two, I like dimples. As you can see, I'm a, I'm a big fan of dimples because some, <laughs> my mother always said it's like it's, when you were born, it's God's way of saying, holding on, like, oh my God, you're so cute. And that's how the dimples are formed. <laughs> and I always love that. And I said that to, sitting in my MBA class, I said it to someone one day, they're like, no, it's a, there's a disformity to your face. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. What? <laughs> I don't like your answer. I like my mother's answer. So God thinks we're cute to say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, hi, Julian. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am doing great. Um, I love it. Um, I always love um, starting out with people understanding who you are as a person before we know about the business. Um, so I wanna know, like, can you tell us where you are? Tell us little Julian all the way up to higher education. Yeah, definitely. So currently I'm in Albany, California, not New York. Um, I am, which is right next to Berkeley and I'm in my garage physically. Um, hence like maybe the metal that you could see above <laughs> my head, uh, but I've tried to decorate it so it doesn't seem like it's a garage. Um, but I guess going back to, to little Julian, I grew up in Southern California. Um, my parents are immigrants. Um, my, they grew up in the Bronx, but my dad was from Guyana, South America. My mom was from Jamaica. Uh, they both moved around 10 or 11 to the States, to the Bronx. And that's essentially where they met. But my dad moved away from the Bronx to California to take a job, which he had for 30 some odd years. Um, and so I am the second child of two immigrant parents. Um, and I grew up in predominantly white spaces. And, you know, when I think about like who I am and who I've become, um, my parents essentially worked their butts off to put me in the position that I am in today. And although there are many privileges that I don't have, there are many that I do have because of all the work that they've done. Um, so when I was a kid, you know, I, I, I played sports. Um, I was strong academically, but I was very different from my older sister in that, you know, she would study for a week for a test. I would study maybe like a couple hours before the night before for a test. And we'd end up with both doing very well. Um, and, you know, I've always felt like I just had like a different like way of thinking about things or like a different approach. I think later on in life, uh, which we'll get to, I think I, I found out the reasons why, but, you know, I've always been one to express my creativity. So I was constantly like writing or doodling on my hands or, um, you know, always looking for a new and unique way to do whatever it is that I was doing. Um, I love sports. I wanted to play sports. Uh, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. There's actually a picture on this side of me. Um, and did I think I was going to go to the NBA? Uh, no, I mean, I'm five. <laughs> I say I'm five, eight. I'm probably five, six. Uh, so we'll just call it five, seven. Uh, but I just love sports and I was around sports a lot. The town that I grew up on was a big football um, centered city. And so football was actually the sport that I was best at. Um, and it was, a, it was like at my core and essentially, you know, like I remember having a conversation with my 
uh, varsity uh, offensive coordinator, excuse me. And he asked me like, what's your goal at the end of the season? And I was like, I want to win a championship and I want to score a touchdown in the championship game. In hindsight, you know, it was aspirational. We had a very good team. Like we didn't lose a game that entire season. We ended up winning the championship. I did score a touchdown, but near the end of the game before they were taking out the starters, um, one of the last plays I would have been in, I ended up breaking my leg and tearing a ligament in my ankle. And so in terms of sports, that's where, that's where it ended pretty much. Um, I always wanted to go and play college sports, whatever I could get into. Didn't matter if it was D one, D three, walk on, whatever it was. But with that injury, it just put me in a position where I wasn't really able to. And so with that, I decided, you know, that I wanted to get into sports medicine. And so that kind of takes me into my higher education. So I ended up attending the University of Colorado. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to oh, pause. Yeah. We're going to pause. We're going to pause for. All right, because yeah. this is good. Oh, because because okay. because the, the the screen wasn't on two shots when my eyes went. What you what? Okay. okay, so um, let's go back to yay, fellow West Indies. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> so immigrant child, first generation from Haiti. Um. Okay. So yay. Yeah. Um. Parents that work hard. I mean, mind you, Saturday Night Live back in the like back in the seventies did, did this entire skit, and I'm sure you've seen about how West Indies we work ten billion jobs. There's no, yes. there's never a thought in our minds that do just one thing because one thing is just not good enough for us, and we just get bored. Our minds are always working. Um, your parents are working really, really hard. Uh, yeah. You have two. It's yourself and your sister. You decide to go into. You love sports. You decide football. What did they say about that? I mean, just sports overall. Yeah, very encouraging. Um, the one thing that I didn't mention was my mom did have two jobs. She worked at two different hospitals. My dad, um, when he started his first job, he only had a high school diploma and has since gotten like three masters. There's a whole funny thing in my family about whether it's two or three, but like if he says three, it's three. Um, and so, you know, while working, my mom was like always involved in school, the team mom and all of that. My dad was our coach and everything, football, basketball, baseball. They didn't really coach in track, but they were at the track meets supporting mm -hmm. us there as well. My sister was a phenomenal soccer player. As I mentioned, football was my best sport, but I also played basketball. Mm -hmm. And so they were very encouraging for us to stay active all the time. And my mom worked nights and my dad worked days. And so there would be moments in the mornings when getting ready for school that they weren't around. Yeah. And so they wanted to keep us active. They wanted to keep us almost a little bit independent, but like mm -hmm. keep us in activities, whether it was before school, after school. And so sports was kind of what they chose. Um, I will say that both my sister and I tried, uh, she did girl scouts. I did boy scouts. Mm -hmm. She lasted, I think until whatever the green one is, I think it's after brownies. It's, it's brownies, girl scouts, blue jays. I know I was one too. Okay. <laughs> She made it to Girl Scouts. I did. Um, I think I made it to Cub Scouts, but like one of Cub Scouts is after boy. So it's, it's, I forgot what the small ones are. Boy Scouts. Tiger, Tiger, maybe Tiger Cubs, Tiger Cubs. Yes. So we did Tiger Cubs <laughs> and we did one event. And I think my dad and I were like, this just isn't for us. Like this is an opportunity. <laughs> was it camping so, outside? No, no, no. I think it was actually like a boxcar race, which is actually pretty cool, but it just wasn't our, I don't think community in terms of like where we would thrive. And so mm -hmm. sports was, was what our family did every weekend. And then plus mm -hmm. practices during the week. Nice. All right. So, um, goes into, now we're going back, going into higher ed. Yeah. 
So, so going into higher ed, um, I, I thought I wanted to continue to be around sports. I'd gotten injured and I was like, and, and honestly through childhood, my mom was a nurse and Mm -hmm. they didn't necessarily push it on me, but it was encouraged, um, to explore becoming a doctor. And so I was like, you know what? Doctor, lawyer, engineer. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so I, I was like, okay, I want to be a doctor. I want to be around sports. So maybe I could be an orthopedic surgeon and like work with athletes like myself who've gotten injured, help them rehab. And so I ended up going to the University of Colorado in Boulder. And the main reason why I did so was because one of my closest friends, um, he would have been the best man in my wedding, but we ended up having a small wedding. Um, his whole family went there. His older brothers went there. His dad was originally from Denver. So he had gone there. So when we were sophomores, I believe in high school, we went to visit and had such a great experience because one of his oldest brothers was an athletic trainer on the football team. So we got to go on the field. We got to see Ralphie, the mascot run across the field. It was just such a cool experience for a high school student. I'm like, no matter what, I'm going there. I wanted to get out of California. I wanted to do something different from kind of like the group of students that I um, was around in school. And so I decided to go there. I decided to study kinesiology and I was fortunate enough to become an athletic trainer my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's funny when I look back because my best friend was supposed to go as well, but he ended up not going. <laughs> he ended up where staying. Did, where, where did he go? He went to Cal Poly. Um, okay. Yeah. In San Luis Obispo, which is awesome. I mean, I'd go and visit him, which I loved, but I was kind of out there on an island by myself. Um, and it was fun. I really enjoyed um, talking with the athletes, but I think it was way too close from when I got hurt in high school to when I started doing that my freshman year, because there was something inside of me that was like, I can still be doing this. I could be playing with these guys or I can be like performing in some sort of sport in some type of way. But could you, I mean, like, I mean, the injury that you had, was it to the point where it just destroyed your, your relationship with sports in, in, in doing any sports or was it to the point where you can go back, but you were in the mindset at the time when you got hurt? Yeah. I mean, physically I wasn't there yet. It would have taken a while to rehab and to honestly play at the level I was would have taken multiple years of rehab, which probably would have put me out of being able to perform for any team. But I think that mindset was Mm -hmm. like, man, like I, I was just doing this a year ago. Like I easily could be like performing and getting better with these dudes that are on the field. Uh Um, And so it, it made, it made college honestly very difficult because now I was doing education without sport and my whole life, it was, it was one and one and two. Right. And as I mentioned before, in terms of building good study habits, I just didn't have those. My parents probably thought I did, but like, I was very good about being like, yes, I'm doing my homework when I was playing a video game or doing something else that I should have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just didn't necessarily. And also you have to keep up your grades to be in academics. Exactly. A hundred, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so I freshman year, I, um, even though I was an athletic trainer, I literally spent all my time. I was, I'd work out multiple times a day, like two hours a day, like lifting at one point, my mom was talking to my sister and she thought I was on steroids just because of how big I got, but I was just lifting a lot. And then I also, I did, uh, got introduced to alcohol. So that kind of helped with like the weight gain. Right. And so the, and bulk. I was, yeah, the bulk, exactly. And I was tiny, uh, growing up. And so, you know, like, I got on academic probation just because I wasn't engaging in class. There was a point where I wasn't going to class that religiously. And then I like, in my mind, I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. When you say that religiously, you are going, I wasn't going, I mean, I was going, 
if it was before a certain time, I wasn't going like, oh, the okay. Was, yeah. <laughs> the afternoon ones were easy to make, but then I was like, man, like somebody is paying for me to be here. Like my parents mm-hmm. and my grandmother, um, um, my maternal grandmother, she was paying for us to my sister and I to go to college. And so I was like, okay, I need to at least go. Um, and being in class, at least I'll retain something which will help me to um, excel. But after being on academic probation, it was, I was in a position where I was like, okay, like, what do I do? Cause yeah. my parents were like, you have to graduate in four years. Like we want you to come home because we think mm-hmm. you'd be better off coming home. But like, if you stay, you have to figure something out because you need to graduate in four years. And so fortunately, um, I was able to uh, go into the school of communications, which you didn't have to apply for. Mm-hmm. I originally wanted to go into the journalism school, but I didn't have the grades to get in. Now uh, it's all one. So I would have been able to get in now, but mm-hmm. um, through that experience, I realized that like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I, I started to try to rack my brain about like, okay, like what do I enjoy? Like, what do I feel like I'm good at? And, you know, creativity was the first thing that popped into my head. Mm -hmm. I'm not an artist by any means in terms of like putting pen to paper or, you know, creating something in Photoshop or illustrator. Like I can dabble, but it's not my strength. But that thought took me back to a conversation or excuse me, an interaction I had with my sister when we were young that she's still a little bit bitter about. So our local library had a bookmark contest and you had to come up with a slogan. You had to design it. And the winner got just like random stuff like T-shirts and maybe like something towards the library. But it was a competition and I was like excited to do it. And I had this really cool idea where it was like a kid who'd be sliding down the back of a T-Rex reading a book saying like reading is rad, but like the R would kind of extend. So it's like growling. And so the concept was like perfect, but I couldn't like put pen to paper. So my sister actually drew it. But like I came up with the concept, so I ended up winning the contest. Uh, and well, so, you guys can put your names in together. Whether we could or not, I only put mine in. So, <laughs> you're, you're a jerk. I know, right? And so I was. I think that's like, you know, when I was thinking about journalism and communications, like, okay, maybe I can go into like advertising, but like without truly knowing what advertising was, I knew there was an idea side. I knew there was people who could like put pen to paper. So I was like, maybe that's the route I should go. Uh So while in school, I was very fortunate that my senior year, there was a May semester after I graduated, that there was this three week crash course in advertising called ads A to B. Um, I'll never forget it. And they basically had people working in the advertising industry coming in and like talking about their roles, what they were good at. And then we got to do a class project where we worked on a campaign Mm -hmm. and everybody kind of picked a role that they wanted to have. And I was like, I want to present. Mm -hmm. And from there, I, I realized that I love talking to people. I love the idea of taking an idea and pitching it to somebody to see if they'll buy into the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, my group won the competition and because of that, and because I took a internship, uh, internship, excuse me, at an online grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to be very clear, I graduated college. Wait, wait, pa- oh, yeah. wait pause. pause. Maybe that your, 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 the year that you graduate will come up uh, internship. Uh, wait, online supermarket. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So, so I was, I was, I'm going to preface it by like the year in which I graduated, it was Oh six. And so when I, when you talk about an online grocery store, maybe you think of Instacart or you think of yeah, something. Exactly. Like 
So this was way before that. Um, okay. It was a company that was called, I think, Aspen Grove Market. It's since gone out of business, but it was in Boulder, Colorado. And the idea mm-hmm. was, was that they were going to do grocery delivery. But the problem was, is that they were basically creating their own stock of groceries versus mm-hmm. shopping at grocery stores like an Instacart or any of the delivery like services. Like a Peapod. Well, we have on the East Coast, we have Peapod, where it's like Stop and Shop, which is like one of the big supermarkets. They basically like you, it's it's designed for their supermarket, so it's only, you're only buying from them. So exactly same thing, exactly. Okay. same concept, but much 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 smaller smaller scale. And mm-hmm. they were trying to compete. I mean, you're in Boulder, and so people are very conscious about like what they're eating. They're the folks that go to mm-hmm. you know uh, farmers markets and Whole Foods and all of that. And so, mm-hmm. in theory, it wasn't necessarily the right approach to it, but it was a great great idea. Um, mm-hmm. And so my internship, all I was doing was cold calling people, basically asking them if they'd be open to having their groceries delivered versus having to go to the store. The feedback was always the same. I want to pick my own produce and yada, yada, yada. But Mm -hmm. because it was a grocery store that was online and I had taken this uh, crash course in advertising, that made me a lot more marketable to get into advertising, but more specifically get into digital media. Okay. And so that same best friend who encouraged me to go to Colorado, who didn't go with me. <laughs> so his oldest brother, as I mentioned, was an athletic trainer. Still his, your best friend, right? Still my best friend. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Okay. His his brother, that's uh, between him and his oldest brother, uh, was working at Kaiser Permanente um, at the time when mm-hmm. I was graduating, and. In Colorado, there wasn't a lot going on in digital media at the time. There's a lot more in that world now, um, but it was hard for me to find a job. And so like, I was going to come back to LA and I was just reaching out to my network. After graduation or during After your school? So, okay. After and what did you graduate with? Uh, a bachelor in communication okay. and a certificate in advertising. <laughs> and, and mind you, like, I mean, so I have uh, um, uh, undergrad in journalism, mm-hmm. communications journalism, they put it together and yep. sociology, but it literally back in the day, um, and I'm hundred percent much older than you are, although I don't look it, um, back in the day, liberal arts became communications for all the people that had no idea where they wanted to go. It just ended up being that way. So that's why I was wondering, like, what did you graduate with? Yeah. Yeah. So communications with that, um, with that certificate in advertising. And I mean, maybe I just, I think one thing that I've been decent at throughout my entire life is marketing myself and being able to find out where anything I've picked up along the way could apply to that next role. Mm-hmm. So um, I reached out to Corey is his name. Uh, Matt's my best friend and Chris is his older brother, just to give them all shout outs to the McCabe's. Um, <laughs> I, I reached out, I reached out to him and amongst amongst a bunch of other people. And I said like, Hey, I'm looking for roles at advertising agencies or to work in marketing or to do anything in this field. Do you have an idea? And at the time he was working in marketing at Kaiser mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, we work with an advertising agency. I think they're hiring let me put you in contact with somebody. I think I had the interview on a Wednesday. I got the job on a Friday, the mm-hmm. offer on a Friday. And I started a couple weeks later. So that's nice. how I got into the world of digital media at that mm-hmm. time. Where and how did the company that you have now develop? So between the time that you had the first job, what are the things that you got out of it that really inspired you that got you to the point where you are right now? Fast forward. So like, give me the, the, the bulk of what happened from the time that you got the first job, the learning process and where you are now. Yeah. I think the, the short of it is me following emerging mediums. 
Um, and so I was at advertising agencies for the first seven years of my career. And one thing that I didn't say about my interview at that first job was they were a, uh, a direct, um, excuse me, they were a, excuse me, like a, uh, direct marketing company. So like they were very much a performance agency. They weren't necessarily doing like big splashy things at the time. Mm -hmm. And majority of their business was through print. Okay. Um, so when I interviewed, they're like, we think there's a fit for you here. Would you rather do like mail inserts or would you rather be on like our newer, like emerging, like online media team? And I was just like online media team. But as I had online on my resume, like that helped for them to ask that question that then gave me the option to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, working across agencies, the work I've worked at probably four or five different agencies. I also worked in Boston. Um, Where? I worked at uh, Havas, Digitas and Hill Holiday. Okay. Love Hill Holiday. Love Digitas. What's the other one? I don't know. Is a Havas agency, but it was Euro RSCG Edge was the name of it. But now I think it's called Havas Edge potentially. That yeah. one I don't know. Yeah, but it's another part of one of the, another one of the large like holding companies like in the advertising space. But so I, you know, worked at multiple agencies. I ended up moving to Boston because of a girl, but I stayed there, and that's like a another kind of like. I just want you to know. Wait, wait. I just want you to know. Most people, because people always say like, oh, Boston is tends to be unfriendly. And yeah. yes, we're, we're not unfriendly. We're just like, we have our guards up. So yeah. most people yeah. come here, school, work, or a, a, a spouse or yeah. a, a, a whomever. So, exactly. so did you come here for the job or did you come here for the girl? No, I came for the girl. I okay. met the girl at the job, my first job out of college. And she was from Boston and always wanted to move back. And so. And wait, what year was this? Because one of my good friends, Victor Lee, worked at Digitas for years. I was. Uh, oh, nine that I moved to oh, nine that I moved to Boston and I left in 13 and I worked at Digitas in the middle of that. So maybe 11. Yeah. Victor, I think was before that. Cause then he went to many other companies, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, he's head of know, marketing. He was head of, he was head of digital marketing of something, something, something. Oh, at Digitas. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess that how that led me to where I am, my experience working in media buying and planning and just understanding consumer behavior mm -hmm. and where it's going, you know, technically, not technically, but in reality, podcasting started when I graduated college around that time. Like it's been around for a long time, mm -hmm. but in terms of adoption of both massive mass consumers, as well as brands, it just wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, and in, and in fact, there's somebody I worked with that was in podcasting that when I first met him and he told me that it like literally just went over my head. I was like, wait, what? Like, there's no like visual to it. There's like, it's just like talking. It's just like radio extension. Like it was confusing at that time. Um, but working in digital media, you know, when I was in Boston, as you mentioned, in general, it's not that friendly, but it's not that friendly unless you put yourself out there. Yep you push to become a part of communities. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what I did. So as I mentioned, I did move there with a girl, but 10 months into my stay there, we broke up. And so- It's always the way I tell you, damn. Always, yeah, <laughs> but, it, but it's okay because it, that honestly is like where I became who I am today. Yeah. Like I was, you know, when I, I mentioned I was on an island in college, but I wasn't really on an island. Most people who are going to college are some distance away from home. 
and everybody's just coming together. Like some come with friend groups, but still you're trying to break into and create communities along the way. But and you weren't that far away from home. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And now I'm 3000 miles away. You're far away from home. And like, I mean, and Boston is an Island. I mean, it's, it, we're known for that. I mean, for anyone that says any different, I'm, I was raised here. I, yeah. and I've had my phenomenal career here. It is what it is, but if you know how to infiltrate it, it is the best place in the world. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, the way in which I did it might be different from a lot of people, mm-hmm. but the first thing I did honestly is I got a little brother and the big brother, big sister program. Nice. Because it was a way for me to get out of the house and explore, but I was doing it from the lens of like, I can't remember, like a seven-year-old or seven to 10-year-old at the time. And so it was like a way for me to get out of the house and just like do something different and give back in a way that I could. Um, and then, you know, once we broke up and I, and I moved and I was living with this random dude, um, I started to try to figure out, okay, like, do I stay here or do I go home? I mean, it'd be so easy for me to just go back to LA. I could find another agency job. Like it wouldn't be a problem. I have all my friends, my family there, like I'll be perfectly fine. But I was like, that's not really how I operate. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to at least challenge myself to see if I could stay for any extended period of time beyond that initial 10 months. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying to explore, okay, like how do I make friends beyond the people that I'm in the office with? Cause there weren't my first company was smaller. Like it yep. was a smaller division of a larger company. And so like, there weren't a lot of people that were my age and there were the, the ones that were, were f- local. And so like they had their communities and I, I did befriend a few of them, but not to the extent where we'd hang out outside of like a drink after the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to follow and you might be familiar with him, but uh, Tom O'Keefe, who's Boston tweet. So I started to follow yeah. him. And he would tweet about different things going on in the city. And one of the things that he tweeted about was Haymakers for Hope, uh, the box, the nonprofit boxing organization. Um, Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. So, so it's a phenomenal organization. You train for three to four months and you raise a ton of money um, for cancer awareness and research. Um, And then you actually fight in a USA boxing sanctioned event. It was the first year that they were doing it. Like I wanted to get back in shape. I wanted to get back into some. My sort of- eyebrows up because yeah. you, you fought in a, in a boxing. You fought. Yeah. I fought. I fought. <laughs> um, and it was the best experience of my entire life. I will tell you that if I never have to get hit in the face again, <laughs> I'd be okay. But it's the best experience of my entire life. Um, and Wait, in- this is with guard, the guard, the face guard, or this is like nothing. This yeah, is you had. On- Got headgear. They're protected. Okay, because I go. I'm like, I go. Are you fighting Marvin Hagler? Well, kind of like free forming, or are you protected? I'm protected. I had my headgear. Had my cup. I got my gloves. I was good. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it was it was such a cool experience, and you know, through that, you change. Like there was different gyms that trained in like kind of pods. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't, I can't speak to other people's, but mine was by far the best. I made some phenomenal friends, including um, a gentleman named Christian Galvin, who pushed me to leave media buying and planning and get into sales. He, as I mentioned before, like, I feel like I've been good about like identifying what I've done in the past and applying it to a new role. 
mm-hmm. but he helped me to uncover why sales wouldn't be scary because everything that I was doing in terms of pitching to clients, even though they were already my clients, I was still pitching to them. I was still selling them ideas and trying to get them to spend more. And so he- I'm already, I'm already going to stop you right there because there is no university of sales. Sales is scary. I'm going to say it. sales is scary. I'm, I'm, of a, I'm the, of a school where I've had, when I, I worked in the media for 10 years. So because you're from Boston, I was Matt Siegel's producer at Kiss Point for six years. Okay. Chad Curtis is producer and then Mitt Romney's press secretary. So I'm not afraid of anyway. I, I just get out there. Um, I have no problem going up to Oprah Winfrey and getting her on my show. I have total fear of asking someone to sponsor or any, so, any form of sales. Most people have the same thing for yeah. their own company. People that have owned their company, they have passion for their company. They're like, this, they're living and breathing this every single day are petrified of sales. Cause we think about the car salesman. We think about just the dirtiness of it. Exactly. Why did you switch over? And what could you tell anybody that's listening of how to avoid it? Because again, being an entrepreneur and innovator, fear isn't part of our DNA until yeah. you say the word sales. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was getting an understanding of what I was already doing that pertained to sales. So what I was already doing in terms of I'd create a media plan, I'd go to our clients and I would say like, this is why you should do this. They're Mm -hmm. asking for something and I'm providing what they're asking. And it's it's beneficial to both of us, mutually beneficial because of the fact that they're going to get something that they want in terms of amplifying their business. And my company is going to get money from them for doing that work. And Mm so understanding that I think took a little bit of the fear away from it. But if you told me to go sell somebody a car, I'm not, I mean, I like cars, but I don't, I don't know enough about cars and I would be a little bit hesitant. And that's But you just said someone needs something like I need a car. So one would assume I could just inject the car situation in the same thing that you just said. I think understanding the product and having like being prepared in any sense, like mm-hmm. public speaking, it's scary, but like if I'm prepared and I know what I'm going to say, yeah. it becomes that much less scary or that less scary, that much scary, less scary. But I know you what know. you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if you told me like, Hey, in 15 minutes, I need to go on stage and just like talk about whatever. I'd be like, wait, what? Like there'd be like pause. Mm-hmm. And so for me, if I'm prepared and I have an understanding and a, and I think passion is a key to it of for what I'm selling, then I can do it. But also, and when you have your own business, you can't just necessarily take this approach because it is your own business. But for me, because I was working for another company, the first thing I did was actually account management. So okay. it was like the softer side of sales. So more of like less of the hunting, more of the farming. Mm-hmm. Um, and the organization I was at was a mobile app marketing company. So we help companies to get exposure to their apps. Um, and so I was basically given a book of business and the goal was to grow it. There wasn't a salesperson that was coming with me. Um, I ended up getting the opportunity to move to back to the West coast through that job. But the, to the core of it, it was like building relationships and selling in a way that made sense to me. Okay. Selling to the person and not just selling the product, selling to a solution and not Mm -hmm. just selling the product, I think is what will ultimately help people to potentially break out of their shells and be able to sell. Because like, if you have something that you love and you're passionate about, I think stop selling it to your friends because go to a stranger and ask them, because that's honestly probably a little bit less intimidating than your friend being like, no, that's a dumb idea, but (laughs) it's true. 
it's is true. it like, some idea because like well yeah. it's, it's a good well it's a good thing and a bad thing because your friends are I mean, I mean the true friends no filter whatsoever and you're going to get that feedback but sometimes yeah. you just need to be able to get through the entire pitch and see how you can navigate it and change it where your friends are like a straight yes or straight no yep exactly exactly and so i think also like having um, there's this gentleman that did a sales training when I was working at, at Pinterest and we can get there in a second, but he talked about creating an origin story, mm-hmm. like basically a story of like, what brought you to that company to sell this product that you think will help ultimately help them. And once I had that, like, it was like, okay, I have a framework for this, but yeah. for me, it was like, okay, I can do this selling thing. I just have to believe and totally understand what I am selling yeah. and that what, allows for me to even do that now with our business. Like I have a co-founder, but I, I own revenue. I own sales. I own business development. And I also help with marketing, just given my background. Where did this company come from? Uh, What does this company do? Where did it come from? You, you're, you've had a lot of experience and you you definitely add in all the different places you've worked, but why this company? Why now? Yeah. Um, after jumping around to agencies and then going to the sales side, you know, I really enjoyed sales. I really enjoyed the company that I was at before I was at Pinterest. Um, but I think the, there was always something where I just didn't feel like I belonged. Um, and what does it, wait, funny, before you, what, what does that mean when you say that? Yeah. So when getting reviews back at probably every company I've ever worked at positive for the most part, um, but culture carrier was always something that was something that people would say. And like, because I brought a certain energy or something unique or different. And as I mentioned, I grew up in predominantly white spaces. So mm-hmm. for my ability to work in predominantly white spaces, it wasn't hard for me to do that. Cause that's all I was used to yeah. like less than 2% in high school, 2% in college. And then I lived in Boston and then, you know, like working in this industry, like yeah. I was used to it. But I think I started to become more aware of who I was as an individual and as a black man. And when somebody said culture carrier, I was like, yes, I'm bringing the culture that you were enjoying, but I don't necessarily feel like I am a part of the culture. I sit in a meeting and Mm -hmm. a half hour long meeting and people like are talking and it's an echo chamber, same ideas back and forth, back and forth. And Mm You know, some people will say like, oh, Julian doesn't look engaged in meetings. Like he's just doodling in his notebook, blah, 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 blah. But I'm just listening and I'm being patient and I'm waiting and being like, but have we thought about this and doing that over and over and over again? It's just like, I'm just not, this is not the environment for me. I need to figure out what I want to do Mm -hmm. to do something else. I've sold hats. I've sold bow ties. I've sold in, in junior high. I sold uh, massage balls. We just put like baking powder in like balloons and sold them. And like, that was just more like, and that was for a project. We weren't supposed to sell it, but we didn't anyway. But like, I've, I've, I've dabbled in a lot of different areas, but nothing really stuck because nothing was really something that I felt like I would want to do for a longer extended period of time. Amazon had a, uh, their first Amazon prime day and I was looking for a product, something to buy. Everybody I was working with was buying something. And actually it's over my shoulder, this blue Yeti mic. And I was like, I'm going to buy a microphone and start a podcast. And of course, like some of my closest coworkers were like, you're not going to start a podcast. Um, and I'm like, no, I am two years later. I did. (laughs) Um, and I started it 
And it was about uh, couples and relationships because I hadn't necessarily had success. As I mentioned, I moved to Boston for a girl that didn't work out. Mm -hmm. I actually moved from, I moved a girl from Boston to the Bay area that didn't work out. Um, And I wanted to learn like what worked in relationships. And it was such a fun outlet to just be able to have conversations like this over a microphone. Um, But the troubling part was the editing like I would sit in this garage, but on the other side of this wall, and I would spend my entire Sunday away from my relationship <laughs> editing a podcast. And I was like, man, I got to have somebody do this for me. And so as I'm building the awareness of like who I am and what I want to do, I was like, I need to focus on myself. And so a couple mm-hmm. years ago, um, I took, I ended up taking a year and a half off of drinking. I didn't know how long it would last, but I ended up taking a year and a half off of drinking. I Wait, told why? My- so I, I feel like you just drop things and then you want me to go back and just ask question it. So like, stop dropping things if you don't think I'm not going to go back because I hear you. <laughs> it all, all right. kind of weaves together at the end. All right, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah. You're gonna, all right, so you're going to go back to why you stopped drinking for a year. Yeah. Okay, good, okay. I'll let you myself. go then. Yeah, I wanted to focus on myself. I wanted to get myself mentally in a good spot. And so like drinking just was such a social part of like who I was. And it was like, I need to step away from it and see if I can still enjoy those environments without some sort of substance. Mm -hmm. And so that was the start of it. And it's like, let me do this for a month and see how it goes. Ended up being a year and a half. And I'll tell you why I went back to drinking in a second, but um, I was also like, okay, I need to like double down on therapy. I had done therapy before from a uh, talk therapy via text messaging. Um, and it's funny because the relationship that I was in at that time, she didn't believe that that was the right way to do therapy. And I was just like, well, what is the right way? You know? And like, it wasn't like she was doing it. And so like, okay, I'm going to focus on myself. I take a week off at that time every year to do like a week of what I call icky guy. So focusing on like finding my purpose. And so like, I'm going to make it a longer by like investing in myself. I'm going Mm -hmm. to take like $10,000 money that I would spend on alcohol when I go out to eat and friend, I'm going friend, friend, that's a lot of money on alcohol. Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know if all, it wasn't that much, but it was like, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, I don't I was know like I'm like, I, I've had like expensive drinks, but I don't know what you're drinking. Well, I mean, if you go out to dinner and you get a bottle of wine, you know what I mean? Like things like that, like, okay. like buying drinks or buying around for people for no reason. Like it's just, and, and like, you know, and, and I, and I, and mind you, I should sit there and take that back. As a guy, you guys buy drinks more than us as females because we don't buy we don't buy rounds. Right. And, and, and for some reason, I've been doing that since college. And I'm like, I don't know how I was able to do it in college because it like hurts sometimes even now. Um, but I, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to take ten thousand dollars. I'm going to invest in myself with no expectation of return. And that will allow for me to fuel some of these passions that I have and explore mm-hmm. if these are things that I want to do long term. So I was like, OK, podcasting. I don't like editing. That's where I'm going to start. Um, and so the non-drinking thing also then goes to the clarity that I have when I'm not drinking. Yeah. And um, there's this uh, festival called Outside Lands here um, that's in San Francisco, where it's like mm-hmm. a, like a three-day concert, which is definitely not something I normally would do. But my wife and I had never done it. She's now my wife. She was my fiance maybe at the time. And She's not the one that brought you brought from Boston. No, 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 okay. no. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> but we decided to do it. And, you know, we go to this house party 
And um, it was my coworker's uh, house that she had with her boyfriend mm-hmm. and her boyfriend worked with my co-founder, which is where I met him Okay. And in San Francisco, which is honestly not that different than LA and sometimes New York and Boston. When you meet somebody for the first time, the first question is, what do you do? And then it's like surface level after that. For it's some a very, it's a, I find that to be a very Americanized thing because when I go overseas, people ask, tell me who you are. So whenever I'm asking, whenever I meet someone, I always say like, tell me who you are. I don't ask look what you do because it's very Americanized to say what you do. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this was like what that conversation was. And it's, it's the reason why I think this happened was because of the space that we were in. Mm-hmm. Like the, the couple that I referenced whose house that we were at, like when we go out to dinner with them and other couples, the topics of conversation were always about like, what are your passions? Like if you could do anything, what would it be versus like, okay, like you're in a relationship, you're going to get married. You're gonna have a kid. Like what's next. Mm -hmm. And so when I met TJ, my co-founder, we were sitting in the corner, just like talking about a bunch of random things, like everything from hoops to podcasts to like, I can't remember. And near the end of the conversation, as everybody's packing up to go to outside lands, um, he said that his family owned an upholstery shop in San Francisco and -hmm. he convinced them to let him use the showroom for a podcast studio. And I was like, wait, what? And I immediately stopped the party. I was like, Brittany, Yuri, you didn't tell me that you have a friend who has a podcast studio. (laughs) And, you know, I walked into the space and he was like, yeah, all you have to do is record it. I work with a team in Mexico city that will edit your podcast. Um, and, uh, then, you can focus on the things that you enjoy having these conversations, marketing and all that. Mm -hmm. So I literally walked in the space. I looked around, it's like 900 square feet. There's like one small room for the actual like conditioned room that we record in. We now record in the open space, but I was like, man, this is a cool space. Do you have a partner? And he was like, no, I was like, do you want one? He was like, not really. I thought about doing that, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. So then I just started doing random stuff to like help to elevate the brand like helping him with the website, helping him with social, like trying to free, use my- free just to get yourself in there, free just to get myself in there. And, you know, in probably three or four months, he was like, we should, we should be partners. Cause I told him like, I'm looking to invest money into mm-hmm. myself. And like, I see the vision behind what you're creating here. And I'd be open to buying into the business at whatever percentage, like this is your baby. You tell me like how much you're willing to give up. And he was like, honestly, like you're doing more than half of the work right now. Maybe not more than half, but like about half of the work right now, we should be 50, 50 partners. And so um, I ended up. How, how many years did he own it before you came in the picture? It was more of like months. It was months. like probably mm-hmm. like six months, maybe before uh, five or six months before I, I came in. Yeah. And, and he was, was he, started. was he in, was he on a successful path at that time? And uh, what year was this? Just like. 2022 now so maybe 2018 or 2019 yeah so so 2018 2019 that's like when joe rogan said hey i'm leaving the whole entire action field i'm gonna go and do podcasts and everyone's like yeah you're high you're gonna go back and everyone's like nope this is what i'm gonna do in that realm of like i mean the dax shepherds and joe rogan there's like a few people that understood what it was because i mean i knew what podcasts were from the get-go because i was in radio and radio the medium of radio wins no matter what it doesn't now because advertising is too much money. Podcasts mm-hmm. for me, again, and also podcasts for me work because long form. I was in radio. So I started in radio in 1995. Okay. And so when I was there, we gave you time to talk. It wasn't just like, 
in, 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 and out. Like, I mean, so it was always long form conversation, get to know the person. That's why I'm doing what I do now. And so what was it that, that years of when he wanted to start it? And then you came in. Yeah. And he, he had the idea of it a couple of years before that, cause he was trying Ooh. to do a podcast remote, but was having failure doing that. Like he, he would start it and then it pod fade. Um, but yeah, it was around that time. And for me, it was like, okay, this is what I started to do like with podcasting. And it's funny because Brittany, the same person whose house that we met at, mm. when I told her I was starting a podcast, she's like, do you listen to podcasts? And I was like, mm, good point. <laughs> no, I do not. What are you trying to say? I don't. And then I started to like how I built this um, was like my main one at the time. Now I listen to like hundreds probably, but um, I was starting to get a feel for like, oh, this is like, this is like an effective medium. And for me, I had, I don't think there's ever been a moment that I've ever thought or said that I want to be or create the next Joe Rogan, because that's not what I see podcasting use for. I see it as another means of communication, just as you would write a blog, you can have a podcast, like the ability for you and I to meet for the first time over this conversation and then share it with the world is valuable in so many different ways because mm -hmm. now I'm getting exposure to your audience, but for a brand, they're able to tell their story in a way that is not salesy. And right. so anybody who wants people to be attracted to their brand, I always say, start a podcast and just tell your story. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be, it doesn't have to be like crazily produced. It could be a conversation. It could be a short monologue, just something that tells people who you are. And that's why I was like, I want to invest in this business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had a physical space in San Francisco, which our rent is still very low because his family owns a building and that's not the primary use of the building. <laughs> but at one point we're like, oh, could we be the WeWork of podcasts? But then we're like, well, we, like the first thought was like, hey, what city would we go to next? Well, like wherever we go, we're not gonna be able to pay this rent. And even if we fill every single time slot, yeah. It's not going to help us to like build families and like live the lifestyles that we want to live. And so I think what I brought to the table and what TJ definitely was on board with was, okay, like how do we leverage this as a form of marketing? Mm -hmm. How do we help brands and individuals build their brands via content that's recorded? And that's kind of been the, the focus. So leveraging my skill sets in that regard, TJ comes from a background where he was um, a sales engineer. So he has a little bit of a sales background, but he is very project um, minded in terms of like project organization. So he manages like basically everything from a production standpoint, um, as well as like our overall organization and how we mm -hmm. operate. Um, and I focus everything, as I mentioned earlier, on revenue, which is BD marketing, as well as um, sales. So how does one work with you? So they come to you and they come to not your garage, but they come into they come yeah. into the studio and they just have a list of people that they want to interview. Like, how does it work with you guys? So if someone's listening to you right now, they want to work with you. What do they do? We help with everything from your idea all the way to distributing your podcast. And then we also help you to create content that extends from the podcast. So when you come to us and to be crystal clear, you do not have to physically come to us. Majority oh, okay. of our clients don't even come into our studio. Um, 
we made that call before the pandemic that the studio wasn't going to be the main driver of our business. Mm -hmm. And we were fortunate because when the pandemic hit, we would have been a really tough spot. And so now what we do is if you have the budget for a full production team, we'll Mm -hmm. assign a producer, a coordinator, and then we'll have our editing team help you to craft a podcast Mm -hmm. that is interesting for your particular niche. And we try to get people to go through strategy sessions in the beginning. It's in fact required where it's like, okay, who's your audience? Why would they want to listen? When would they want to listen? And we help you to structure even visually what it will sound like. So part one is a monologue for five minutes. Part two is an interview for 15 minutes. And then you have your closing remarks and your credits. So we visualize that out and help Mm -hmm. people design a concept that will work for them. And then everybody wants to know about the numbers. We don't guarantee numbers, but what we do is because we have an understanding of your audience, I then put on my other hat of, okay, media buying and planning. This is how you can deploy the podcast into a blog post, into social content, into audiograms or clips. And you do all of this with your podcast, which then allows for you just to get SEO traction, but then just like more reach and like LinkedIn is I'd imagine LinkedIn and like Twitter or like your core, but like for some individuals, it might be only Instagram. And Mm -hmm. so finding out the mediums that work well for them, not making any guarantees, but saying like, you have to be consistent. You can't fade. And we often will require a client to record at least five episodes. Let's say they do a 10 episode season with us, five episodes before they even launch one, because we want them to have control over the rollout and then also be able to have multiple weeks that they can prepare for the next episode's launch. Okay, this is good. Now that you've given me a lot of meat here to work with. All right, so let's start with uh, when um, I decided to start my podcast, I started it, it, so I was in Mexico. So I, 70% of my time, I'm overseas. So now I'm, I'm, I'm in January, 2020, I'm in Morocco. Uh, February, I'm working at home. March, I'm on stage getting questions in Mexico. Hey, what's going going on in the United States with toilet paper? I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but whatever. I get to my hotel room. My mom calls me at the hotel, freaking out, can't find toilet paper, bring toilet back, paper back from Mexico. I'm like, well, what is, again, I have no idea what's going on, but phone starts going and all my gigs for the year are like being canceled. Mm. And I get home 10 days from the time I get home, literally, I'm like, everything's locked down. The state yeah. is locked down, the country's locked down, the world is locked down. Everyone, and their mother, actually, no, before I even say that. So I was like, I'm a marketing person. Number one rule of marketing is stay visible. Gotta stay visible, creative, visible. Um, 2009, when the world imploded during the recession of the, uh, the real estate recession, I was in my, in my MBA class um, and I was told I was overqualified. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've worked all my life. I've been told I'm overqualified. I start my own business. So my business is my capstone. My marketing business is my capstone. And all my former media friends start calling. They're like, we know that you're with entrepreneurs and startups and small businesses. Can you feed us a lot of these stories, the cat in the tree story? Because we're tired of talking about the bad news that's happening because there's so much of it. I'm like, not a problem. Fast forward to the same thing where they're like, small businesses are dead. They're dying. Oh my God, bloom and doom. I'm like, well, they're not. And so this time I'm not going to feed you the stories. I'm just going to do it myself. So I sent out an email around the world. Anyone that I know that owns a business, if you want to talk for an hour, I just want to check on you anyway. Look, I'm going to give you a platform. And I just started. Now, this is me Googling how to do a podcast because I was anti, 
anti-podcast because I put podcasts in the same world as bloggers. Bloggers that were like typing, I'm mighty with my fingers, but I don't want to ever see the light of day. And when I'm putting you on stage, I'm awkward. So I just, in my mind, I put it in the same exact world. Mm. So now I do it, but then I'm not the only one. 10 zillion other people are doing it as well. Some good, some bad, some indifferent, some awkward. And then the second the world opened up, they all disappeared. They stopped doing it. So because you're this, in this world, I mean, I'm in this world, but you're in, in this world. Yeah. What is the future of podcasts? Because there are individuals like the Joe Rogan that, that he's been doing it for such a long time. And now he's created this behemoth, Dak Shepherds of the world. Like you hear the names that are like, they went into it well before. Yeah. Um, there are individuals like me where I'm dedicated to small businesses. I'm not, I mean, I was asked like, Jody, can you not, not, can you not stop because nobody else is giving us a platform to talk unless it's, unless we're new, unless we're broken or unless it's a political year, small businesses don't get attention. Yeah. So I'm now devoted to making sure that more inter- entrepreneurs and innovators are getting a voice in a long form. So you're in it. You see people coming in and out of it. What's the future of podcasts? I mean, yeah. especially because radio, you see radio, TV, print used to be the, the place you went to and they're dying a very, very slow death. Yeah. I, I see it as content, recording content less of podcasting, but more of recording content. And so you and I are having a conversation about my small business, just hit record. And then now it can be the centerpiece of your content marketing strategy, whether you're a large company or a very, very small company. And so the future is capturing every single point of your journey in the medium that you feel most comfortable. So video, I think, is definitely going to be key to that as well. Um, We're doing this over video. Not everybody feels comfortable with being on video and then putting that out there in the world. Mm -hmm. But however you record content and then repurposing it into something that then can be amplified and get you exposure on to multiple different mediums, wherever your target consumer, target person that you want to talk to, I don't care if it's one person, like the, the future of it is people identifying that like, okay, we already do blogs. We already do videos. Like let's start with recording this content and then taking this single piece of content and making it like a multitude of different things that it can be. Mm-hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk is like famously known for like talking about like taking a piece of content and like blowing it out and all yeah. of that. But I think the, the future to me is as a form of storytelling that people can do a small business owner. I go to uh, so many craft fairs where it, it kills me as a seller to walk down the middle and somebody's at their booth, something that they spent, I don't know how many hours whittling with their hands. And they're just sitting there on their phones waiting for somebody to approach them. And like, because I'm discovering them in that moment for the first time, it's like, Hey, tell me about this. But like, if I, if I have something, if they're not comfortable with the face-to-face, tell me that story on your website. If you don't want to do it on video, do it on audio, create a podcast and just put it on your website. Like you don't have to, it's a, it's, it's an owned medium that you have to push out there. And yes, I could see that as like an extra heavy lift, but just use it as the words that are on your site. Cause now people hear your voice. They see your person, they feel your personality. And like, even though you might seem cold on your phone at your booth, now, when I go up to you and say like, Hey, like I re- listened to your podcast when you were talking about how you brought, build your, that's when you're probably going to light up because now we have that connection. And so 
I see it as a centerpiece of people being able to tell a story of like who they are. And for me, I just had a, a daughter four months ago and it's Congratulations. going, thank you. Like for my wife and I to be able to capture these moments on pictures, like my, literally my iCloud, it's making me pay more. And I'm so angry because like I'm in these group things and I can't figure out how to like with the family, I can't figure out how to like unselect all these images. Cause my, my, my wife's sister also had a baby literally four days after we did. And so like between all the pictures, my phone is like full, but it's like for my wife to, and I to sit down and talk about these moments. And then in 18 years, like handing it to our daughter and being like, now you have this forever. Um, that's where I see it as like, I'm not, I don't, if we happen to work with a Joe Rogan or we happen to create a show that becomes that big, great. But I really want it to be something that is allowing people to better identify with who they are and like bring in customers that will allow for them. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, my customer discovered this. It can be you're interviewing your potential customer and asking them about the industry, not to buy your product, but just Mm -hmm. about their their perception of the industry. You're giving them a platform and now they're going to be more likely to work with you than the person who's emailing them every other day saying like, hey, work with us, work with us. So that's kind of how I see it. And I would love to work with any brand, doesn't matter how big or small. And we have services that will allow for us to work with this like small individual as well as like the large uh, uh, company. Flipping it. Um, I know why I started the podcast. Um, how was it for you? So March, 2022 happens. You yeah. guys are working, you're in a nice groove. You've been doing really well. How was it for you? Yes, it was great that people weren't coming to you in your studio, but you had your, your set clients. But how is it for you um, personally during the pandemic for your for you and your co uh, your co-partner um, as well as the company like where it was going to go? You're watching the pandemic. You're seeing everything shutting down. People are freaking out. Businesses are are we staying open? Are we staying closed? Medium businesses as many people. A lot of people were saying like I go I'm getting rid of it. Oh, and add, on top of that, we're almost two years and we have over 10 million people that have left high paying jobs. So how has all like what, with all that content that's happening around the world, how has it affected you and how have you been able to navigate both professionally and personally? I don't know that I'd be doing this right now if the pandemic hadn't happened. Um, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about, but so I've been doing this full time now for a year and like four months. Um, but I started helping him during the pandemic. And I, then I started, I was full time, I was full time, but I was, you know, doing on the side mm-hmm. and I was a sales manager at my last job. And yeah. as you can imagine, when you're sitting at a desk or even having to travel a lot for work, like when you're sitting at a desk, I can't have multiple things up on my screen that have nothing to do with work. Right. Like my whole thing is I I'm very appreciative for every corporate job that I've ever had because it's allowed for me to get to where I am. Mm-hmm. But I learned later in my career that I needed to cap my time at 40 hours because that is what we negotiated. That's what they're paying me for. And mm-hmm. anything more is taking away from my own personal growth. And so during the pandemic, I was able to sit at my desk from sometimes seven in the morning till seven, nine o'clock at night and basically switch back and forth between what I was being contracted to do at work, not yeah. contract, I was full-time, but being that's the, my, my contract with work and 
starting to work on, okay, like how can we build this into a company that mm-hmm. works? And so having, and then also on top of that, because my wife and I were both home, I was have, able to have dinner with her every single night. Yeah. There was times, weeks where we didn't have dinner because like she's also in a sales role and she would travel for work. I would travel for work. Mm-hmm. We had other things and we were always obligated, not obligated. In some cases, we always had obligations of things that we needed to do. Okay, we need to go see this person. We need to go see that person. But like when we couldn't, that means all I could do is focus on, okay, like how can I turn this from a side hustle into an actual business that could work? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean when I said that I wouldn't be in this position if I didn't have all of that time. Um, and I wasn't able to maximize that time. I didn't have to commute. This is the fourth desk I've had in my house. The second one that's in the garage. I, I finally found the spot that I could be in over <laughs> my shoulder where it's kind of dark in the corner. There's actually like these windows on my garage that like shine through. So normally there's more light in here, but to be able to buckle down and start to like be more strategic about how we can grow this company and who getting to a point of like, how much should we charge? Who are ideal consumers for the consumers who are priced out of this new thing? How can we create something that will help them? And Mm -hmm. so like doing all of that work and having all that time allowed for me to, to be in this position. And so, and then obviously like working in a sales role, like financially I was okay, Mm -hmm. but like, it was like, okay, like I had to negotiate with my wife, like, Hey, I'm going to leave my job by this time. This is how much I've saved. If I don't make money for an entire year, this is where we'll be. At least Mm -hmm. my, my contributions to us. I don't want to change our lifestyle. It helps that we don't have to go out as much. So I don't have to spend as much. Um, And I was also, again, not really drinking. So I had a lot of clarity, like for a lot of part of the pandemic, I never said why I started drinking again. The reason why I started drinking again was because I got married in September of 2020, 2020. And so I was going to have a bachelor party. And so I didn't want the first time to drink to be at the bachelor party. So I drank a little bit leading up to it and ended up not happening, the bachelor party. And I did end up getting married, but we did a small wedding. Um, But just like having that clarity, having that time and having that focus of, I've said that I've always wanted to do my own thing. I found something that could work. Let me, let me dedicate my time and effort that I could be watching TV to just doing this and getting to this place that we're in now. And, you know, we just wrapped up our first full year of us both being full time. Yeah. And we out like, and, and from somebody who's like in sales, like I'm trying to take some of my corporateness out of me, but like we were able to like exceed our goal by like 25% in terms of revenue. Nice. But more importantly than that, we learned more about like what our business is who our customers are, how we should price things. So even if we do the exact same amount of business next year, we're already going to be in a much better spot. And doing the same kind of business, knowing that we're slipping a little bit more out of a pandemic versus being in the, in the midst of it, where yeah. you, I mean, like when you started, like we were in it yeah. and then like last year was bumps and bruises, bumps and bruises, but it was, like, it was, it was a good year. I mean, I have to say, I mean, a lot of people are like, Oh, I feel so bad saying it was a good year. There's a lot of people that it was a good year. I mean, and you shouldn't take that away from yourself where you were safe, you were smart, you worked, you focused, you had heads down, you took care of your family. And if it was a good year, it was a good year. Um, I think that people are feeling guilty about having a good year. And you guys had a good financial year. You got married, you had a baby. Yeah, I I don't feel an ounce of guilt. Um, Mm -hmm. I also don't broadcast a lot about my life. Um, 
you know, if I get a podcast interview or I get to speak at a company, I'm always like, that's what I'd love to do. But like on my Instagram right now, I have like one single post um, and it's from like a long time ago. Like, I just don't like to broadcast because one, there's something about giving people that access, but then there's also something mm -hmm. about only putting like the good things on social media. Um, and I don't love that because there's been many times that I've met somebody that my wife knows that I don't know, or she's met mm -hmm. somebody that I know that she doesn't know. And they're like, oh, you guys look so happy. And I'm just like, wait, how do you even... Like, how did you come to that conclusion? You saw three pictures on Instagram. You said like, oh, we were so happy. Like we've gone through a lot of shit to get to our wedding. <laughs> and like, you have no idea of like how, like we weren't even sure if we can get pregnant. We had a baby. And then like, you know, my, my, my wife had preeclampsia. Like that's what I honestly would love to just wake up in the morning to tell people like, you know what I mean? But like, and then there's also something about like people being like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's too much. You know, I'm just <laughs> like, no, but that, that's like, that's like when you, when I sit there and say good morning to someone and they're like, oh, good morning or hello. How are you? I yeah. don't wait and find out how are you? Wherever like I go, they just walk by. So yes, there, yeah. I get that. Um, I mean, my, as a marketing person, and I think it's because I worked in the media, I put things out there, but my social media is only the happiness. If you're in my world, you know, what's really going on, but yeah. I'm, but I also watch people like, Oh my God, my ex-husband's the worst. I'm like, aren't your kids, what your kids, the ex-husband that you hate that you want yeah. to set on fire. They're reading that. I mean, so for me, at the end of the day, when I want people to lose their minds about social media, I'm like, you do realize you can turn it off. You have control of the, the tab. You have control. Yeah. If you, if you're putting stuff out there, that's on you. But I know I have total control of my world and I'm a happy person because I have total control over my world. I love that. I love that. I've, on, so I'm, I'm, I'm still in therapy. Um, that's something I will never give up because it's so nice to talk to a random stranger about the stuff that's going through my mind. And that's honestly what we talked about on Monday is like, because there are aspects of it that allow for people to then know what I'm doing mm -hmm. and to say like, Oh, I have a friend or I know somebody or my company might want to do podcasting. And so I'm like, shoot, how do I balance it? And so like, yeah. we're working that out. Um, so I can figure out, okay, like how do I present myself to the world that feels like I'm adding value and I'm not making people feel a certain type of way. Um, one, all right. So in regards to the therapy part, um, I have a best friend, her name is Sarah. So I'm going to give a shout out to Sarah. Sarah is a nurse and Sarah is literally my best therapist in the whole entire world because I'm a lot, I'm a lot. This, I'm, a, I'm a, lo a lot of energy at a lot going on at any given time. And Sarah is my person where I, when I tell you, if I call Sarah and she doesn't pick up, I start to panic thinking, oh my God, nothing can happen to Sarah. Cause yeah. oh my God, nothing can happen to Sarah. Cause I've, I've had best friends that have, that are no longer with us. And I'm like, wow, that's good. Cause they're the keepers of the secret literally and figuratively, but it is one of those moments when you put all of your eggs into one basket. And I, ha I have totally done that for many, many years. And it does make me panic a little bit, but it is really great because to have that one person that no one knows you. Yeah. It's, it's. Yeah. I'm biased. Like, and they listen. Um, and it's, you know, like, I, I have my best friends. I have my wife. I have my, my business partner, but it's like, who do I talk to about all of those things versus mm -hmm. like, you know, I have great conversations with this person about this, this person about that. Um, and I don't want to put all of it. And that's, you know, in my journey of doing the podcast on relationships, I can't put all of that on my on wife. one person. I know. And I, and I feel guilty and I literally like pull back. And then when I pull back and I need someone to talk to I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I can't. Like, yeah. I, 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 oh, I get it. I get like, I mean, there, there are times where I'm like, I go, they need their time. And then you just, 
pull back because you want to be that good friend. And then you realize, okay, um, I just pulled back, but I have no one else to talk to right now. This is really, really hard. So yeah, it's a balance. Definitely yeah. balance. Um, when I asked you earlier in regards of where do you see podcasts going from here, we've had all these mediums. You've, you've been in this industry now that you've seen advertising and stuff like that. And I, my, my, all my interns, my team, everyone knows my thing. Marketing hasn't changed since the caveman days. Mm-hmm. I can go into a cave. There's drawings. There's a story. There's a target mm-hmm. audience. Yep. If there's a problem, there's a solution at the end of the story. Um, podcast is just another medium where radio, TV, print, everything's slowly dying. Blogs even, I don't even hear about blogs as much anymore. So all the, a podcast is coming into play. Come back to like, where do you see the future of this coming for people? Because too many people jumped into the pandemic because we had nothing else to do. People that are staying true to creating content and also talk about businesses. Businesses are doing it, but they have the same audience. How are they growing into this brand new medium and trying to find a brand new audience? Yeah. I mean, discoverability is a huge, some people don't say that it's not, but there a hundred percent is like, how do you hear about podcasts? Like, you know, somebody who told you about a podcast, um, that's how you find out about them. It's a huge challenge. And I even thinking about when I was in app marketing, that was also a huge challenge, but then Apple, started to do more editorial around like why you should play this new, get this new app and all of that. And so all of that is starting to happen. So I think discoverability will help. And I think transcribing your episodes so that you have that on your website for accessibility, like you definitely should do it, but then also from like discoverability of SEO. Um, But in, in terms of like comparing it to blogs and, and podcasts, like I think at one point they said there was like, million like two million blogs but only eight hundred thousand were active now i imagine that's gone up a little bit so it's yeah. probably closer to a million that are active i think there's like 600 million blogs or something crazy like that so i think it's just like figuring out how can you leverage it to have a conversation with your target consumer or to mm-hmm. highlight people who have enjoyed your product or to tell your brand story and leverage it in that way, I think is like where it's going to go, but leverage video. Of course, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to go. Audio is going to go away anytime soon, even with like the metaverse, like audio is going to be a component of mm-hmm. like what you hear when you're in those worlds and like telling, doing like storytelling through audio and experiences in that way but like leverage it as an experience, leverage it as a way to go to the core of like who you are as a business. Mm -hmm. And I think that it will be something that you can stain over a longer period of time versus people come to us and they're like, we want to make money off of this. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, how many people engage with you outside, like currently right now? And they're like, oh, well, we don't really have a platform right now. I'm just like, well, then you're, unless you get unless you have like the best idea on the planet or you get the perfect host who then, mm-hmm. and even if you do get the perfect ghost, if they don't amplify your content, like yeah. it's going to be hard. It's going to be a journey. Um, and like a lot of the top podcasts, they either do it very consistently or they've been doing it for uh, like longevity. And so it's mm-hmm. like, use it as a means to build up your content library over time, repurpose the content and, it will allow for you to have it as a um, just like a spoke in your larger wheel 
yeah. or just like a little node in your larger thing that you're building, but it's going to help because it's a way that people can learn who you are outside of written content. Cause I think attention is going to, attention's already small. And so it's like, if it's you getting can, smaller, exactly. If you it's getting can, smaller and yet with podcasts, podcasts, win, podcasts are longer, which is always so intriguing because people always assume that people are just like the attention span is smaller for certain things. But yeah. podcasts are, are, you're being driven to something that you want to hear. For, for a lot of the companies that we work with, whether it be a brand or an individual who's trying to promote their brand, we mm-hmm. try to keep them less than 30 minutes, to be honest with you. And that's mm-hmm. because of attention. And that's also because of an, a dated stat through the pandemic of people listen most when they're commuting. And mm-hmm. the average commute in the US was like 27 minutes, I found out. So it's like, yep. okay, our content should fit that. Um, but the, the beautiful thing is like, you can easily just pick it up like where you left off. And like, there are moments where, um, and I, and I'm, and I'm going to put audio into this, but I'm going to yeah. use Will Smith as an example. Like I, I suck at reading. I, it's not that I suck at, it. I just take forever to read, but like, audio books like, are my favorite. Yes. I listened to his audiobook, and his audiobook was the best podcast I've listened to ever. Wait, his podcast or his audiobook? So I, I, his audiobook was the best podcast I listened to. And the reason why I say that is because like, think about Will Smith telling his story from like rapping to the Fresh Prince to his like phenomenal movie career voices. He raps in it. He sings in it. It's like literally the most okay. engaging piece of content. I've, okay. Like, so, so I, all right, now I'm intrigued because I'm an audiobook junkie. Um, I, oh, a couple weeks ago, I just doubled down. I watched, I listened to Indra, Indra Nui from PepsiCo. And okay. then I went, listened to Kev, Kevin Hart same week. Okay. And my brain was blown because Kevin Hart, I was like, number one on the New York best time seller. I, I want to know why. Yeah. There, and, and he's reading it. It is hilarious. I mean, I was hurting myself laughing so much and Indra Nui, holy crap. She nailed, I mean, in a time where she should have never succeeded, she nailed it to be the president of PepsiCo, which is amazing. So I'm going to give Will Smith because I loved, I loved Will Smith until that got a little crazy with him and Jada. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. This is like, I mean, I was all Will all the time and he got a little yeah. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And then I'm like, I go, all right, now you said it. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to download it tonight. It's so good. And and not uh, uh, every audio book is, is the same. Uh, True. I'm not mention the one I'm listening to right now, but going from. No, Will no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Cause just in case I have it. So meta human. No, I don't want that. I, I think it's it's more academic in like the 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 writer's approach, but the writer's reading it and but it's just different. It's just different type of book. And it's not Will Smith singing and rapping and making voices for all of his friends and family members that he talks about. It's just like, but that's what audio is. Like mm-hmm. you can it can be very entertaining and 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 talk about change behavior. Like my wife and I we started it when we were driving down to LA to where my parents live mm-hmm. and that's normal. We'll listen to podcasts along that drive, but usually we listen to it in that stretch. And then we listen to it to the stretch coming home. Mm-hmm. We listen to it driving down there. And then we started taking hour long walks to listen to it. We then were laying in bed and we're like, okay, should we turn on the TV? No, let's play this. Yep. And so 
I, I, I think it's, if it's done audio and I'll just talk about audio in the right way in an entertaining way in an engaging way, I think more and more people are going to listen. Like there was an article the other day that I don't remember what it was about, but it gave me the option to listen to it. I'm like, Oop, play because I, yeah. I, for me to like retain everything like, like with the words, it's not just not like the way I learn. And so I think it's going to be something that's going to continue to be around for a while, just because there's a lot of different use cases for it. Well, I, I'm dyslexic. And for me, if I see something, if I hear it, I have it forever. You want me to read something? Good luck. Because I've read it five, six, ten times. And I'm like, still don't get it. Or, oh, look, butterfly. Oh, look. I mean, I'm so distracted. So I do love, I mean, audio has always been my happy place. This is when, when I worked in radio, I couldn't have been any happier because it was my spot to be in. And so I do love that there are more ways for us to continually learn. And I think you're right when not, I think you're right. You are right. Where when you're looking at the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or whatever, and they have the audio component now, where we'll yeah. read it to you. I'm like, thank you, thank you very much for reading that to me because I'm doing something else, or I could be reading the same thing over and over again, and I've you've lost me. Yeah, I think everybody should establish their audio brand, and the lowest hanging fruit to do that, if you have a LinkedIn profile, they allow for you to uh, record your name, um, and I don't know exactly. Really. Yeah. What? If you go to my LinkedIn (laughs) and of course I always take it too far. So like I record my name and I say like, and if you ever want to start a podcast, hit me up or something like that. Um, What? Wait, wait, what? I didn't know LinkedIn had that. Yeah. You can record your name. So like, I mean, it happens a lot where people don't know how to pronounce people's names. And so like you, the, the point of it, I think was so people could understand how to pronounce your name, but they give you a certain amount of time. And so, and my name isn't that hard for people to pronounce. So I'm just like, let me use this time to also say, uh, even my voicemail, like even my voicemail, like nobody listens to, nobody listens to their voicemails, but people get to that point when they call and mine basically says, I'm probably recording a podcast. Um, Like if you want me to actually respond to you, like send me a text message or whatever, like something Mm -hmm. like, but something that's like on brand for like who I am. So like if a client calls me, they're like, this guy literally lives and breathes this because I actually do. You know what? I love this. Okay. So one, this isn't going to be the last time we're going to talk. Right. Um, two, I have taken uh, a, a bit more of your time, which I don't care because I do long forms. I don't care. Um, but I, I, you know, I wanted, this time. <laughs> well, I, no, I wanted people to understand who you were yeah. well before. So like, I mean, the next time when, cause I always reach out to people, like if something's happening in the industry, I'll always bring you back because why would I go to an academic or someone that's like always in the news where I'm like, you guys are doing it. You guys are living, breathing this all the time. So I want to bring you back because you have the, you have the, your ear to the ground. And so you'll always come back. But for today, we're going to yeah. end it. Um, the last question I ask everyone, no matter how many times we talk will be, if you had a personal ask and a professional ask, two answers have to be different. No cheating. Uh, personal ask and professional ask, what would be your personal ask? And what would be your professional ask of anyone that's listening to you right now? My personal ask would be for everyone to take stock of the time um, that they have in a given day, because we all start with the same amount of time. Take stock of, okay, you're sleeping hopefully for eight hours, um, but what are you doing with the rest of that time? What are you giving to the company that you're working for versus the passions that you have? and start to focus on how can you give the time that you've allocated to that company, stop it where it's contracted, and then maximize the rest of that time. 
because that's what allowed for me to be where I'm at from a corporate, from a, what was the last one? The, the other one, the, the professional ask, professional ask. My professional ask is if you've even thought of doing a podcast or have any interest in podcasting or you're doing it, I would absolutely love to talk to you. Um, because the way in which I understand where it's going is understanding how people see it from an outside perspective, looking in me being in it limits my, my innovation, I think personally. Um, yes, I can see what's going on, like Spotify, like buying the world, but like, they just have the power to do that. I want to understand how somebody who is thinking about doing it or, or has thought about doing it, sees the industry and see if there's a way that I can help them start off on the right foot. I like the answers. Good answers. And I also have, I, I may have someone for you. So, awesome. so that's like, that's, that's like, I was going to say, I'm like, you know, I, I literally just talked to her like, like 30 minutes before I started talking, talking to you. I'm like, I go, Ooh, cause she asked all the questions of me too. I'm like, I go, Oh, look at this. Um, so the reason why I say that is because I invite people on, <laughs> it's kind of funny, my interns or myself, someone tells me about you. Yeah. And I'm like, I go, oh, sounds interesting. And I don't know anything about you. So when uh -huh. you come on, I'm like, I go, oh, I don't know what you look like. And I don't know what you do. And then you start talking and go, oh, <laughs> this is good. All I know is you're a small business. It's all like, literally, for any, I, care, I, I care less about anything else. As long as you're a small business, you guys will always have a home. So I love being surprised. I love being engaged. I don't like, it's a very Larry King of me where I don't need to know too much. But if you are saying the right thing, I'm going to interject because I'm curious on a good day. So it's a win-win for everybody. Awesome. I appreciate this. <laughs> Julian, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Don't hang up when we're done, when we say our official goodbye, because I definitely want to introduce you to the, I want to tell you about her. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Sounds... All right. So thank you. <laughs> of course. Thank you. Um, until next time. And oh, wait, last, last question. How's it being like, I mean, you said you slept eight hours. You have a four month old. How is it possibly eight hours? I, I tell people to try to get eight hours of sleep. Oh. I was gonna say, I'm like, how's that possible? My my wife is still on maternity leave, and so I've I've whittled my way down to like the morning shift of like eight. So like, but I still don't get that much. I'm not I'm not a I don't sleep well because my mind is constantly racing, thinking about the things that I can be doing. And I'll be honest with you, being this small business has brought a whole different level of anxiety, but it's so welcomed because it's something that's fully in my control. Um, and so, yeah, but yeah, I don't get eight. The goal is eight, but I don't get it. It's on my goal sheet to get eight and I will, um, some nights, but not all nights. So, um, I don't own a TV. Um, so that helps. And so I can stream because when people are like, I go, I stayed up watching. I'm like, you know, you can stream that. Like, why, why are you staying up? So that's number one. And number two, I'm just shocked that you even said the, uttered the, uttered the word sleeping more because you have a newborn. I do. It's like really impossible. We're, we're pretty fortunate. Like little homegirl is like, she's a dream. I mean, she fusses when she wants what she wants, but like for the most part, she's pretty chill. And, um, there's nights where she's, she's sleeping for longer stretches, which allows for everybody to get more sleep. But, um, I, my wife is probably going to hear this and be like, wait, you're sleeping. How much? How dare you? How I dare know. you? But, but one thing actually I do want to, I want to say before we go is I think it, it's really important to be who I am going to become. I've, I went to my co-founder and I told him that I'm taking off a day during the week um, to spend with my daughter. So we have childcare four days a week. My wife's going to go back to work um, 
at the start of uh, February, the end of this month, and I'm taking off Wednesdays and it's going to be daddy daughter day. Um, and so that, that is something that's, I'm so happy that he would, I mean, if he wasn't on board, we'd be having it. We might not be having this conversation, but um, it's something that I'm so grateful to have a partner in my business partner who is open to those ideas. Um, and in fact, he's living in Mexico city for three months, but it's probably going to be much longer. Uh, he's only been there a couple of weeks and he's really enjoying it, but that's important for me to say, because like, I want to dedicate my time to my family and I do put myself first, my very, very close second, very, very close second is my wife. And our very, very close third is our child and our family that we're trying to grow. Um, and then it's everything else. Um, I love that you say that because I take Wednesdays off and that's my rule um, because I can hustle on four days, five days. And truly, nobody does that anyway. So like everyone's doing every week thing, but on Monday, Tuesdays, you know, start a week, I'm cranking. Wednesday, yeah. I go off, I go to museums. I'm all, I'm still learning, but I go off and take an adventure, get in the car, drive West. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just driving. Like I just, I'll land in somewhere new for me and Thursdays and Fridays come back and I'm just re ready to go once again. So Wednesdays, I may see your email. I know I'm not responding. Everyone knows Wednesdays for day off, but with my clients, I tell them, if you don't take one full day off during the week, I won't work with you. And they're like, what? That's crazy. I'm like, because I need you to get away from the computer. I need you to be rejuvenated. I need you to sit there and think straight. You can't do that in front of the computer or in 10,000 like group meetings. You have to take one day of the business day. Europe, four days. Four yeah. days you can get the job done and do it extremely well. Exactly, exactly. Okay, we're saying goodbye for here right now, but don't hang up, okay. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye for now. Thank you, I really appreciate you having me on. Oh my God, you're so very welcome. Until next time. Welcome to the Pod on Starter Pack. I'm TJ, this is Julian, and we are the co-founders of StudioPod Media, a podcast production and media company helping organizations and individuals like you create their podcast. The Pod on Starter Pack contains 12 snackable videos to help you to develop, produce, distribute, and amplify your podcast. Along with these videos, we have resources like workbooks, links, producer pro tips to help you get started. Pot on.